Very excited for the opportunity to wrap up our series in First and Second Thessalonians. It's been good to dive into these letters. We're going to finish it all up today. I really like this tagline, letters from dad, right? I mean, Paul, kind of their spiritual parent to this church, is just pouring his heart out to them. But what do we know? It's not just Paul's heart. Ultimately, we're seeing the heart of God for this church. And I love that. I mean, it helps me. It helps me to wrap my head around it, right? I mean, for you to grasp God, to understand God, to go to the creator of all the universe who created this whole world, ex nihilo, out of nothing, sometimes it's hard to wrap our head around this God, right? But then he explains he's like a father. Now, that I can understand. You know, I'm a dad. And I understand how I love my kids. If you have kids, you understand just a little fraction of God's heart for you. When God's timing, so even as I give this talking about a father's heart, it is my daughter's birthday today. I want to give her the, I want to take her to the moon. Like I want her to have everything. Like, my heart for her is massive for my kids, for my family. It's a great picture to help you wrap your head around God's heart for you, and it's a great way to sneak in me wishing my daughter happy birthday. Daddy loves you, sweetie. All right? I love that. And here's the thing. So as a dad, like, I want to give everything to my kids, but that doesn't mean I just spoil them, right? Like, as a parent, I give my kids rules. I discipline my kids. Not always perfectly, if you'd like an example. So just recently, so we were out at Camp Car having a great time. And then we were about done, and I wanted to tell my kids to leave. Like, all right, come on, it's time to go. We were done, so I told them to leave. And then right after I said that, I just hear this yeah, you could tell the difference. Like, it was like a thud. I'm like, oh, that one's not good. So she popped, my daughter popped her chin. And in that moment, the right move would have been compassion. And I'm not a perfect parent. So in that moment, like, I think this is a perfect I told you so moment as a parent. So she just busts her chin. And I'm like, I told you. Why, why would you do that? Listen to my words. So, sweetie, if you're still listening, Daddy, sorry. I didn't handle that right. But here's what I tried to explain later. And I did. I went into, like, I told you so speech. And she's looking at me in pain like, what are you doing right now? And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry that she fell. Like, I hate seeing my kids cry. Like, I hate watching my kids in pain. It, like, hurts in my liver, wherever my liver is. Like, I deeply hate it. And what I, you know, explained later, like, listen, sweetie, I'm not mad. When I tell you things, when I give you rules, it's because I don't want to see you in pain. Like, I love you. Do you think I was telling her, don't play on that because I wanted to rip joy from her life? No. I want her to experience joy and peace, and I don't want to see her in pain. Do you understand? So as you look at this letter, 
Yes, there's a lot of rules in there. There's a lot of correction. Why? Because God doesn't want you to experience pain. God doesn't want you to bust your chin and have to experience the pain of that. So as you kind of see this, as we wrap up this series, I want you to hear the heart of your Father. God has plans for you, not for evil, but for good. And I want you to hear that in everything that he covered with them, all these rules aren't, here's how to not have fun. As you're a Christian, I want you to marry somebody ugly and go live in a hut. No. God's heart for you is your heart for your kids. You want them to experience joy and peace. And every rule that you tell them, is for their good. So as we wrap up, I want you to hear God's heart for you. And we do have to wrap up the series. I think it's just best. I'm just going to read all of it in kind of one fell swoop. So hang on, and I'm just going to read it all the way to the end. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 16, and I'm just going to read it all in one shot. Follow along. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I didn't say there was a lot. I just said I was going to read to the end. We got three verses this morning. That's what we got. You see God's heart for you. The Lord of peace wants to give you peace at all times in every way. We're going to talk about God's desire for you. And it is, Christians refer to it as the way. It is the way, the path of peace. Do you know what God desires for you? Peace and grace. That is what God wants for you. So as we're going to look at this together this morning, I want to describe this path of peace. I want to help you find it. And then I want to teach us how do we walk in this peace and experience it, all right? So first, let's just talk about this idea of peace. This is huge in God's economy, this word, even the Old Testament word, shalom. It is this soaring word of peace. Couldn't we all use a little bit more peace? So I was doing a word study on this word. Kind of unpacking this a little bit. First to start, one of the definitions to understand peace, it is the antithesis and cessation of war. Right, when you think of this word peace, you know, you think of literal war, like warring nations, right? They're at odds. And then how did the end it? You know, people want to eventually get to peace talks where these two nations are no longer at odds and warring. So it's easy to kind of understand it, war out there, right? But man, isn't there implications of war in our hearts? So to be at peace is that all that tumultuousness going on in your soul ceases. No angst, no tumultuous. You are not at odds with anything all war and angst has ceased in your soul. But here's the thing. It's not just 
the absence of war, right? That's a big part of it. To be at peace means, okay, bad things aren't there, but there's also the positive flip side of it as well. The state of well-being that comes from God alone. To be at peace is to be well within your own soul. A deep tranquility that only God can bring Tim Keller said it this way, this idea of shalom. It's like the fulfillment of all your deepest desires. Have you ever had moments of that? Just when everything in your world is as it should be. And you're at utter rest. Perfect peace. Who doesn't want that? Who couldn't use more of that in our lives. And even as I say it, right? That's God's heart for you. And I talk about moments of peace that you've had. Whenever I said that, you know, maybe the same for you. What happened is I think of just, you know, short moments in my life. But as I studied this word, this one community, they're famous for the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were prolific writers, so we have a lot of writing even outside of some of the Old Testament manuscripts. And they wrote about this a lot. So they talked about this peace, and they were an eschatological community, really focused on the coming of Christ. Listen to how they describe peace. Here's a couple of the adjectives and descriptors they used. So this community helped us understand this word. They talk about a superabundance of peace. Peace without end. Lasting peace. Peace without limits. Now I need to get that kind of peace. Now if I came in here and talked about what kind of peace do you have, would you have used the word superabundance? You know, hold on, let me check my health app. My peace is rated, yeah, I'm about super abundant of it, Right? I don't know that any of us would say, oh, I have peace without limits. And we have moments of peace. But God wants this kind of peace. Remember in that passage? At all times, always. That is the path God has for you, that kind of peace. And why don't we have it? Jesus said, you know, I leave you peace, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, right? So the world's going to offer you peace, but it isn't like Jesus' peace. All peace in this world is circumstantial, right? When things are going well, I experience peace. When they're not, my peace is disrupted. I mean, think of how fickle our peace is compared to what God has for us. Kids, check-in doesn't go the way you want, and all of a sudden I'm flustered for the morning. I'm supposed to have super abundant peace without limits. I lose an hour of sleep, and I ain't got nothing to peace on me, right? Like, checking the 10-day forecast is a huge determiner of my peace. Like, I look at that thing, and there's not enough Ronnie Bass on that, and you're like, Ronnie Bass, I mean sunshine, Right? Like, if there's not enough sunshine in that forecast, I got, like, no peace in me. Because so much of my peace is determined on my circumstances. The peace God talks about is not 
temporary circumstances. All times. In every way. These were people under great persecution. The peace of God for you is not dependent on everything going well and on your circumstances. It's got to be deeper than that. Again, Jesus compared his peace with the peace of the world. Let's look at those, compare them together. Worldly peace, right? It's circumstantial. If I can maximize pleasure and minimize pain, I'm at peace, right? Circumstances. If I can get enough comfort, enough good circumstances going, and get rid of enough bad ones, okay, then I'm at peace. There's a couple problems with that. So now, this is what most of us, this is our default. Many of us, this is the path we're on. Trying to maximize our pleasure in our circumstances, minimize our pain so we can feel okay. A couple problems with that. You don't can control your circumstances nearly as much as you think, right? So we're desperately chasing this financial security, insurance policies for our insurance policies, AFLAC for that insurance policy. And if we can control everything so we can kind of keep pain from our lives, then we'll be okay. But you can't control all your circumstances, right? I mean, look at the last year, all of that out of our control. Your life can be disrupted like that. Stop pretending under this false pretense that you can control it all. And then therefore, if you control it right, you'll have peace. You can't control the economy. You can't control so much. The other problem with that is you believe the lie. No mistake, it's a lie that external circumstances will give you that fulfillment you're desiring. I mean, how many people, how many testimonies? I remember Gerard Cherry, when we had him in speaking. I mean, he, you know, he's on the radio. He won the Super Bowl. You know when he came to faith? It was like the moment he won the Super Bowl. He's looking at the confetti, right? The best circumstance, the circumstance he told himself his whole life, then I'll be at peace. This is going to satisfy me. He's staring at the confetti, and he goes, is this it? I have everything I want. This is what I thought was going to fulfill me. And I'm empty. Don't believe the lie that if you can get enough stuff out here, it's going to fix in here. Getting all the right circumstances won't give you peace. And most of us default to we're running down this path, trying to fix all our temporary circumstances. The peace of Christ is rooted differently. Remember, it's above circumstances. It's his current presence with you and his eternal promises. You drop your anchors right there and no matter what war you're in the midst of, you can have peace. Remember, what did he say? Peace at all times. The Lord be with you. It's rooted in God's presence. Like currently, God is with us right now in this room. Whatever war you're walking into, God is with you. And if you could anchor in there to God, currently, right now, is present with you. But here's the deal. We are not supposed to be perfectly fulfilled in this world. It's a future hope when perfect and ultimate peace will come. 
So if you stop trying to be perfectly fulfilled now, like allow God to walk with you through whatever you're going through and understand perfect peace will come, then you will be satisfied. Without limits. I mean, that's an easy sales pitch right there, right? Who doesn't want that? To be in the midst of whatever you're going through, anyway and at all times, to be still and know that he is God and to rest. That is what God wants for you. He wants peace and grace. That is his path. His roles aren't to limit you and to steal your joy. It's to give it. Now we all want this. So that's where I have to transition to help you find it. Like if you want to have peace in your life, raise your hand. Get your hand up. All right, there we go. It's all of us, right? Are all of us at perfect peace at all times? No. Something's off, right? Because if we all desire it, and that's where this got really interesting for me. Thinking back in Thessalonians, thinking of Christ, I give peace not as the world gives peace. Because what dawned on me is many paths are going to be offered to you. And guess what? They're all going to claim to give you peace. Remember, I mean, this was huge for me. Even the enemy, Satan, his job is a deceiver. What God creates, Satan counterfeits. What is a counterfeit? It poses as the truth. It's trying to deceive, not just convince you to go down a bad road. Think of how we're bombarded with commercials, right? All of them claiming to give you peace like every car claiming to be the greatest car now i'm not a genius but somebody lying it doesn't make sense but all claim to give peace have you ever seen a commercial like hey take my product it doesn't work but i'm gonna get rich no it says this is gonna work do you want to get skinny do you want to get happy all of these things Again, Satan's job is to deceive you. So you think, oh, I don't have peace. But you didn't stop to think, are you walking down the right path? They're all going to claim to give you peace. I mean, relationships, that's huge. It's our peace and contentment. We're relational beings. One path is, says you don't need all those restrictions and limits. It doesn't need to be marriage. It doesn't need to be tied up in all those limits. As long as, and this is the default right now, if you're in our culture, physical intimacy shouldn't be limited in any other way between, except between two consensual adults. That's a path. That's saying, hey, do you want to experience relational peace? Go this way. Do you ever stop to think? I wonder if that's the right path. Because there's different paths. God says, hey, limit it this way. And think about marriage and physical intimacy should be limited to this. You're going to choose a path. Not all of them lead to peace. So how do you determine which path to go down? There's going to be multiple paths. Here's how to spend your money. You know, get a small house, get a starter home, but then get a bigger house. Spend all your money on your own comforts. That's how to be happy. And most of us just run down that path. 
man, I'm not happy, and I don't know why. We never questioned, am I heading down the right path? Because remember, there is going to be multiple paths that you're going to be faced with. Not all of them lead to peace. How are you going to choose which path you go down? The great question I want you to ask is, well, who's making the offer? Like, who's at the trailhead saying, go this way? Right? Because the person guiding you needs to be credible. But no, none of us ever stop to think, okay, who's guiding me down this path? So take that. This is huge in our culture, right? The path is, hey, here's how to do relationships. No other limits as long as you can be physically intimate with anybody as long as it's between two consensual adults. Remember, that's rules. They're putting in limits, but they're saying this is the right path. Let me ask you something. Where'd that come from? Who decided that's the right path? I mean, when I ask people that, there's no answer, or at least no good one. And ultimately, well, it's, I guess, I've decided, or culture's decided. Think about that. Ten years ago, culture would have been saying, go down a different path. Twenty years from now, they'll be saying it's a different path. In any other country, they'll be saying it's a different path. But you've decided, oh, no, this is probably the path to peace. Based off of what? Rich Mullins is a kind of a famous worship leader. I had a great line from him. Because again, there's a bunch of different paths all claiming peace. And you think, oh, I've figured out, oh, here, here's the right one. Listen to me. God is right. The rest of us are just guessing. Like, God is right. Everybody else is just guessing. I mean, the odds for you to figure out, okay, no, I understand the universe, and this is how human relationships work. I'm going to head down this way. It's crazy, but you're heading down that way. So what is the source? God wants peace for you. How do you find that path? Well, who's the source pointing you in the right direction? Let's go back to our passage. I got it in italics you sit there. You see, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genu- genuineness of every letter of mine. Now, remember in the letter, there were literally counterfeit letters going around saying, no, don't believe that. Here, believe this. Here's what will here's lead to happiness. Believe this. But Paul says, look, this is from me. Who is Paul? Paul's an apostle of Christ. Just a little kind of context of what's going on here. Say, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. You're like, I thought Paul wrote the whole letter. What, what does that mean? It means he used one of these. I put it up on the screen because I didn't want to figure out how to pronounce that word. So then I felt guilty about not pronouncing it, so I looked it up. It's amanuensis. So Paul used an amanuensis. So it is, essentially, if you're not feeling uppity and just want to use a normal word, it's like a copyist, right? So what happened, here's how, like, Paul would write a letter, and this was common in the day, Paul would just dictate the letter, and then a scribe would write down what Paul's saying. That's how, very common in this time. So somebody is sitting down, sometimes he says him him by name, Paul's just walking around dictating what he wants to say. And Paul's walking around like, I, Paul, therefore, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's like, I give you my greeting. And he, so there's just a guy writing this down. But at this point in the letter, Paul says, give me that pen. Get out of here. 
And so if you were to literally see the letter, I don't think he kicked him. That probably didn't go down like that. But if you were to see the letter, the handwriting would have changed at this point. It would have looked a certain way, and you could tell somebody else grabbed that pen. Paul sat down. I like to picture just like a big eagle's feather for Paul, just like, and then he writes this part. Because he wants them to know this is from God. If you want to choose the right path, choose the one laid out by God. The source of this, like what we're laying out in Thessalonians and God's words, is Paul. He's an ambassador of Christ. Listen, your peace hangs in the balance. You're choosing paths. Who's guiding you? Let me humbly submit. We all want peace. If you want to find peace, look at that top line. You might want to start with the Lord of peace. Like that's not a bad starting point. We're all chasing peace, but we're going after so many different ways. Why don't we go to the Lord of peace, the master, right? He's the master of peace peace. Jesus has the corner of it. If you want it, you might want to start with him, right? Like if I want to learn about how to cook sausage, I'm going to Abe Froman. He's the the sausage king of Chicago, right? So if I want to learn about sausage, I'm going to that guy, right? If I want to go and learn about peace, how about we go to the Lord of peace? And how's that for a resume builder? Like what a name. The Lord of Peace. You imagine Jesus, like you know, sitting down in an interview to be a counselor. Wow, it says here you're the Lord of Peace. That'll play. All right. This is who Jesus is. This is what He does. He gives peace. So I want that for you. God wants that for you. But if you want to find it, I'd recommend you go down the path that He laid out for you. Because you have multiple paths, they all won't lead to peace. So as he laid out many things, I also want to talk about, okay, so in the end, how do we walk that path? Like, again, we all want it, so we got to find, okay, what's the one God laid out? How do I actually experience it? So here's what I want to go. I want you to believe it and receive it. I want you to believe it and receive it. Because here's the deal. Much of Thessalonians is reminder language. So even when I'm going to say, I don't necessarily know that, okay, this is shocking that you had never heard this before, the presence of God with you. But I was just talking to somebody who was going to counseling, you know, and walking, you know, experiencing turmoil, and the counselor said this, yeah, but how about you act like that's true? Like, what if we really believed God is with me and clung to his eternal promises. Listen to a sermon on Charles Spurgeon talking about the presence of God with us. Let's read that. Providence is our pavilion. The angels are our attendants. All things work together for our good. Now that we love God and are called according to his purpose. No longer are we afraid For the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Behold, the Lord God covereth us with his feathers, and under his wings do we trust. 
His truth is our shield. Therefore, my mind is at peace. I've been left in some of the old-timey language. Doesn't it sound more spiritual? The Lord doth be with me. Like, what if you acted like that was true in your life? That God was with you wherever you went. Like, that's what I want you to do tomorrow when you go to your workplace or whatever is just challenging your peace. There's that connection with rest and peace. I want you to stop before you go to work or as you sit down at your desk before you dive in. I want you to just be still and act like you really believe and pray that. God, you're here with me, giving me all I need. And if my God is for me, what can stand against? I've been doing this more. I just want you to just sit in quietness and like reflect on, God, you're with me. Whether that you're heading into that tumultuous relationship or whether that stressor for you is work, stop and proclaim that you really believe this, that you are under the wings of the Almighty and he is present with you. I want you to cling to his presence and remember his eternal promises. I got another quote for you talking about where we're all heading. Christians learned a new way of understanding history. They came to see that it was not aimless or cyclical, but telic. That is, moving toward an end that is under the control of Almighty God. Only at that future point will God fully de demonstrate his wrath and his salvation, not capriciously, but in accordance with his character. I love that word. That's a great word, telic, for you to wrap your head around this. Your life is not aimless, but it's moving toward an end that is under the control of Almighty God. Why do we lack peace? Because my life feels like it's in chaos. It's spiraling out of control. But understand, no matter where you're at in this vortex, God is with you. And understand, your life is telic. You are not spinning into chaos. God is guiding you to a point. Not just individually, but this world. No matter how crazy it feels. And as you're spinning around, know that God is guiding it to a point. And he's going to return and give ultimate perfect peace. Can you anchor in that? That God is with you. And that this world is not out of control. It's heading to a destination, a point determined by God. Our peace is circumstantial. It ebbs and flows. God's peace is rooted in his presence and his promises. Is God's presence with you ever gone? Is he ever for a moment, not faithful to his promises. If those are true, then we can be at peace at every moment of every day because he is with us and he is guiding us into an eternity of perfect peace. I want you to believe that. And you've got to live that out. Walk his path. But I want you to know you need to receive it. 
Listen how it talked about it. How do we get peace? The Lord, the Lord of peace himself gives you peace. That's different than the world. If it's given, it's a gift. If it's a gift, it's grace. And if it's grace, you can't earn it. It's received. The world's peace to end a war is to defeat that with which you're waging war. You can't win that. You can't muster up peace. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You receive it. And so as you're sitting there in the stillness saying, God, I can't do it. Will you give it to me? It's received by grace. It's not mustered. That's why it's about quietness and rest. In that quietness, ask him to give it to you. Listen to me. I've seen peace in hospital beds that make no explanation that peace should come. I've seen war and turmoil in mansions. It's not about getting the right circumstances. It's about being rooted into the presence of God. And when you're in that hospital bed, wherever the world tells you there's war, and then it comes. I've felt it. I've walked in it. You have too. The peace beyond understanding. It doesn't make sense, but in that moment you say, I'm okay. I want you to know in that moment, you're standing on holy ground. Like, there are times I've literally taken my shoes off. Why do I say that? Look, his presence is with you. Where, better yet, who does peace come from? The Lord of peace himself. In that moment that you've had that where peace comes, in a special way, Jesus visits you and breathes peace over you. It comes from him by grace. And this is God's heart for you. Peace. I want you to experience that. I want to breathe that over to you. And now, I want us to sing that over each other. Will you pray with me and bow your heads? Father, I confess that so much of my peace I look for out there in circumstances. I cling to some false pretense of control and hoping that I can generate peace. But we pray now to the Lord of peace. God, we need you. We need your peace. Would we receive it now in Jesus' name? Amen.